very warm welcome to you from Equa Marketing. This presentation is brought to you by Equa.com, a leader in digital marketing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Growing Dentist Podcast Show. Today, I'm super excited to have a friend, a friend from ADMC, Miss Sandy Perdue. And Sandy is a longtime consultant, lecturer, who helps a lot of dentists and um, young and old learn about how to run their practice better. She's the CEO of ClassicPractice.com. That's her business. Sandy, welcome. Hi. You know, I have to correct you. I'm not the CEO. And I'm, in fact, I don't own this company. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I assumed it's your business. Yeah, no, no, I, everybody does. You know what? Um, I've been, it's, you know, I, I'm the, the director of consulting is the best way to say it. Right, right. So maybe you can start by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about classic practice and, uh, you know, who are the other people involved? That might be a good segue for us. Oh, okay. That sounds good. So go ahead. Okay. I have been in dentistry for about 35 years. And I had the opportunity to work in a practice that was very unique way back in the 80s, a solo dentist doing 1.2 million with no marketing, bread and butter dentistry, lots of organization, a lot of good people skills. And people were traveling, uh, this dentist and their teams from literally around the world to see this practice. So I was the office manager. From those activities, uh, that led into me presenting seminars. So I do seminars on accounts receivable, collections, insurance, and scheduling. And they would be two-day seminars, and people would travel for that, and then they would ask for me to come into the practice. So that is how I started consulting in about 1993. So from there, our business has really taken off, and uh, we have clients all over the world, literally. So that, that's pretty much my background. Right. And Dr. Westerman is the founder of... Uh... Yes, he and his wife. So he uh, is still practicing. He sold his practice about five years ago. And his wife, Peggy, is our CEO. She doesn't work on a daily basis here in the company, but she uh, is our, the brains behind a lot of the things that we do here in our success. Right. How long have you been with this company, Sandy? So 32 years uh, with the Westermans. And uh, then we started this company in 1993. All right. So Westermans meaning you worked in their practice. That's right. Oh, that's awesome. So you have been consulting for 23 years now, 24 years. Yes. Yes. And I've, I've worked in all size practices and uh, very uh, varied models, some with two staff, and I think we even had one with one staff, all the way up to 36 staff. Wow. So currently, how many clients are you personally working with? We try to, to limit our clients to about 40 practices a year. So those practices are on our one-year program. Now, that doesn't include the others that come to our seminars. So not everyone that comes to our seminars is our client. So, so the people, when I say client, they have signed up for our one year consulting program and 40 clients is about 
what we would like to keep it at because we like to know their names and their staff's names and and when exactly what's happening and when you know, some some times uh, if you get 100 and 200 clients in a year you you can't keep up with that right and i see that you have something called the scheduling academy yes so that's where people travel here and we have we actually have a training center here in baton rouge we have a 7800 square foot building here where teams come and and get trained so we have a scheduling academy and that's where we work with schedulers and these these are not necessarily people on our consulting program. These are actual uh, offices from everywhere that want to give their team the tools to do a better job. And you see, that's, that's an, a problem in dentistry is that people, if you think about it, the doctor, say it's, a, say it's an average doctor doing 700000 750 a year, even a million dollars, and they hire someone to come in and run the front desk Maybe it's one or two people, and they usually have no formal education. And now the doctor uh, expects them to create and 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 uh, this one million dollar business, right? Like create it and sustain it, and uh, that's kind of hard for for people with no training. So that's where the value of training comes into play. And we, I don't like to advertise this, but I'll, I'll tell you, if you really look at practices and you've been doing this long enough, you can see where that person at the front that's sitting in that chair in charge of the schedule will determine the income of that practice. There's too many times I've seen staff come in and sit in that chair and the practice not be able to grow and that position change or that person get training and that practice can go up 20 and 30%. Wow. Wow. You also have another training program, right? That's also seems to be very popular. Um, it's called um, spice up your practice. What is that? Yes. Now that is a seminar we've been doing for about 12 years and Dr. Westerman and I do that together. That is, he's not involved in our consulting or the, the scheduling academy, but he does uh, that spice up with me where each one of us take on about six and a half hours and uh, we train doctors and teams to improve their treatment plan acceptance, their collections, their patient retention, implement a real recall system. We start Really, it's a great place to start for new dentists and existing practices because we expose the whole, the benefits and the way of thinking for getting organized and having systems because there's about 42 different systems in the practice. So what we're doing is we're helping them learn what needs to be done, who should do it, and when it should be done and how it should be done. So, so that's a, a very popular seminar and people have come back two and three times and, and even more. And they see growth in their practice after getting this good material. Makes sense. Let's jump right in. So you are an expert, you've been doing this for a long time. I know you are known for recalls. So tell me what you mean by recalls. I'm sure every dentist knows it, but how do you think about it? Okay, well, here's the thing. It's like, Dental practices, you know, a lot of times the doctors are focused on new patients. 
new patients, new patients, and they should be, I, I would like to add, they should be because every business needs to be getting new customers, right? Right. So, but I always like for them to think about it in this way. First off, if you're doing a really good job with your internal marketing, you should be getting about one to 2% of your patient base in referrals every month. Okay. Now, so you've got to make sure your internal marketing is in place. And when I talk about internal marketing, I mean, that that's basically how the phones are answered. You know, it's, it's how the patients are treated. It's the whole atmosphere of your office. You know, there's many different aspects to that internal marketing, but in dentistry, because patients have a choice about where they go, there's so many options. You have to make them feel good. You have to make them want to come. They have to leave thinking, wow, that was an awesome experience. Okay. So that, that's your internal marketing. And that's going to help you if you're doing a good job with it, with getting a new patient flow. Now, what about all of those patients that come in and they don't stay? I think most practices would be really surprised to learn that they're maintaining about 40 to 50% of their current patient base. Um, you know, you can, you can look around, you can see that some practices, that especially ones doing marketing, they may get as many as 75, 100 or more new patients a month. And they've been doing this for years. And do you ever wonder, like, where are these patients going? Like, what are they doing to them? Like, why aren't they staying in the practice? Well, I think it has a lot to do with what happens once they get there. So, but let's look at this. So the first thing I ask when a doctor tells me, oh, you know, my hygienist, well, she's just not busy. There's openings in the schedule and, okay, well, I tell you what, go to your computer and I'd like for you to generate a report based on their last visit date. Go back three years. If it's a new practice and, and a new owner is listening to this podcast right now, I'll recommend going back five years and pull a report based on their last visit and go back, let's just say, uh, to five years ago, but stop at seven months ago. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So you're going to get that last visit date. Now, it's going to show you everyone that had a last visit date, and now you need to communicate with them. That, that's the next step, because now you've got this list, and I'll, I'll tell you, most of the listeners are going to have hundreds, if not as much as 2,000 or 2,500 people on that list. Okay? I, the smallest I've ever seen is 400 patients needing to get in. And that's a small practice. Okay. Right. Now, so what my, my point here is these are people that know the practice name. They know where it's located. They've experienced something there. Hopefully it was a good experience. And now they need to get back. And because they haven't been coming every six months, these are the people that need the dentistry. But what happens is it's kind of like the real world and, and the listeners, you know, if, the, if there's staff listening or, you know, even a dentist, uh, either male or female, there's some service business you go to, whether it's to get a haircut, your nails done, there's something that you do and you go on a regular basis. Now, 
there are times that you may have to go to a different salon. Okay, it's happened to all of us. Maybe you weren't really happy with the nails the last time. So you tried a new place. But you know what? It didn't work out like you thought. And, and maybe you went a couple of times. And you almost feel like you're cheating on that original person, right? Well, this is the same thing happens in dentistry. So these patients are coming. And maybe they try a different dentist. And if you haven't continued to communicate with them, they are going to they're going to think twice about coming back to you because they're going to be a little embarrassed that they went somewhere else. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So, so, so the message here is don't stop communicating with your patients just because they haven't come in. And I hear staff, they'll, they'll tell me, Sandy, we inactivate every patient if they haven't come in in a year. And that is the wrong way to think. I train our teams if there's blood flowing through their veins and they didn't call and say they were never coming back and you know, you know, in other words, blood's flowing through their veins, they didn't pass away and they never said they weren't coming back and you know they didn't move out of town, don't assume that they're not a patient because they most likely believe they are a patient in your practice. So that's one thing that's happening. Patients are getting inactivated too soon. Continue to communicate with them is the second thing. Send them birthday cards, holiday cards, recall cards, change it up a bit. I wanna share something with the listeners today that's gonna be huge for them. And it's a reactivation project. And I will say that you need to be doing this at least once a year. Every practice should do a reactivation project once a year. And the best way to do it, I know some of the automated systems will do it via email, but ask yourself, and if you're not sure, if you want to verify what I'm about to say, I, won't, I welcome you to do it. I wish you would. What percentage of emails are opened? Very little. Very, very few, right. Percent, three percent. Yes, yeah, so, so don't count on a, a large percentage of people coming back because you sent emails. So I like to send a card and um, that because they have to get it out of their mailbox. Now I do believe in an email and I do believe in text and I think text probably gets a much better response than, e than email. Okay. Now that being said, what you need to do is send this card to these patients that come up on this list because they haven't been in on that last visit date range that you're going to go back at least three to five years. And you're going to send them that card a couple of months in a row. Not just once. You're going to send it twice. And you're going to find out who moved, who died, and who's never coming back. Because uh, you want to make sure you put return service requested on that card so you can get their new address. And now you can update your files and it's a great way to update your files and you're gonna get back patients and you should get back about 9% of the people that get this card, okay? The most important thing is that you, you don't just mail it one month. Like we, the perfect time to do it is January and February. And your message is also important. So, um, 
I want listeners, you know, get, get uh, something to write with because I'm going to give you this message. And it starts out like, uh, dear Jane, we miss seeing you in the office. So you want to start with something like that. Let him know we miss seeing you. See, that makes it easier for them to come back because they're going to be a little embarrassed because maybe they did go somewhere else. And then you're going to go into why they need to come back. So as you know, when dental decay, gingivitis, periodontal disease, or other complications are discovered in early stages, treatment is not complicated and costs are less. So so you're letting them know that, that if they have a problem and they catch it early, it's going to cost them less. Okay, now you're going to invite them to phone the office and make sure you include their phone number and send this card out. And I think the listeners may be a little surprised at how many people are actually going to call. See, what you're doing here is you're, you're reaching people you probably have not been communicating with because dental offices tend to think, oh, if they haven't been here in a year or 18 months, we can write them off. No, not true. Because dentistry is not number one on most people's priority list since less than half of the people even go to the dentist. And then... Number two, you are communicating that they're welcome back. And number three, you're giving them a different type of communication. It's not the same. You changed it up a little bit. And that in itself is going to get their attention. And if you're a practice that has been relying on email and text and you haven't sent cards in a while, this is going to be especially good for you especially good. Whenever you get the cards back that are returned with new addresses, and you will, it's important that the team at the front office know the day they get the card back, they need to send another one out with the corrected address. See, what you're doing here is you're not only communicating with your patients, but you're updating your files. And in dentistry, your your files or your patient names and information adds to the value of the practice. And when it's not the correct information, that's not good. So you're doing a few things here. Right. Uh, What's your experience with text messages? Do you use that a lot? Well, now remember, I'm in the business of not selling services. I'm in the business of growing practices. So, you know, I have to, I have to, despite what's popular, and easy. Um, I can only recommend what grows practices. I mean, that, that's what I do. That's my reputation. So if someone signs on with me and, and they don't uh, grow 20 or 30%, well, that doesn't look good for me, right? So I can only say that I know without a doubt that um, you need to have some email, some texting, and some physical postcards for recall and confirmation. You can't just have one. Right. But again, this is not an Elton John concert or Taylor Swift or whoever your favorite, uh, you know, Blake Shelton. It's like those things people will not forget. They will never no show. They will pay ahead with a credit card. But dentistry is not one of those things. So you're saying you have to be realistic in terms of what what you can expect. Yes. So somebody's going to be in control. Is it the practice or is it the patient? 
And, and the idea is to get as many people into the practice as you can. Again, because it's not the most popular place to be. And every single practice has a group of patients and listeners can, they know those patients. They will never miss an appointment. They will come every six months and guess what? They don't need any dentistry because you've already taken such good care of them. So it's the people that's putting off the dentistry that you have to make sure you've got systems in place to get those folks back into the office and into the chair. Right. Makes ton of sense. Any other tips do you have for us around recalls? Well, another big problem is recall system in itself. Most practices fail to have an exact system. And when I talk about systems, you hear that term thrown around a lot in dentistry these days. And that, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, a, a real system, it's kind of like a recipe. You know, like during the holidays, um, every family typically has a, a recipe that, that a family member will bring. It's like, you know, whether it's an apple pie or a casserole or, um, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's, you know that it, it's good and consistently good because that person typically follows a recipe or does it the same way all the time. So when we talk about systems, that's exactly, it's like a recipe. So I don't, when I go into practices and I start asking the staff about their recall processes, I get different answers. And the, and within the same practice, I get different answers. So sometimes we do it like this and sometimes we do it like that. And then a lot of times they're doing it like we did it back in the seventies before there was a computer where the patient would fill out their own card. And, and the, the thinking behind that was, um, Oh yes. If they, if they fill out their own card, they'll recognize their handwriting when it comes in the mail. That is what we were taught in the seventies. Okay. So 1978 is when I learned that because I actually worked in another practice uh, before I, I went to work at the Westerman's practice. And that's how we did it. And somebody went to a seminar and I don't remember which consultant said it. So I'm still running into people doing that, if you can believe it. In 2017, people are still handwriting these, having their patients handwrite these recall cards. So no, we have computers now. We don't have to do that. So you need a recall process that is like that good family recipe. It stays the same. You don't need to keep creating it. And then when a new employee comes in, they don't bring how they did it at the other office because you've already created a good solid system that works. So you don't change it. Now, that means that for recall, you've got two sides to recall. You've got pre-schedules, pre-scheduled appointments for hygiene, and you've got appointments or non-appointments, but recall patients that did not pre-schedule their appointment. Now, some believe that every patient should pre-schedule their appointment. Well, go on dentaltown.com or one of the other websites, um, uh, blogs, dental blogs, Facebook or whatever, and start looking at the complaints of broken appointments. And I see it over and over again. Well, if, if, if that's a problem in, re, in, in your hygiene department, stop pre-scheduling compulsive repeat offenders. These appointment breakers, stop doing it. So when you just process people that come in for a cleaning 
and give them an appointment for six months away, but they broke two appointments to get to that one, what are you thinking? So no, the target should be about 85% of the patients pre-scheduled, not 100%. So before they're pre-scheduled in hygiene, they, you look and you, you see their broken appointment history, which is, shows up on route slips that's printed out by the software, and you think, ah, this guy can't be trusted. So we're going to send him a recall card. So the schedule, is, it's very uh, valuable, that the schedule time, uh, because time is the most valuable asset in the practice, right? So you, you've got to know who you're giving that time to. So, all right, so you've got your pre-schedule. And then you've got your people that are just placed on recall, and they should get a physical card in six months. Your people that are pre-scheduled, you can incorporate automation, and you should, this is 2017, with texting, email, and physical cards. And then you're going to see a lot less broken appointments in hygiene from pre-scheduled appointments. I really enjoyed our chat today, Sandy. Is there any final thoughts before we wrap up? Well, I think that every practice should think about getting organized and putting their recipes in writing and sharing them with the whole team so they understand the systems in the practice and they understand how important it is that you don't change things and do like practice management of the month type things where they change every time somebody reads an article or sees something on the internet that you find a good system and you stick with it. And that's how the office is going to improve. And I think, you know, if everyone's trained, that's another thing. Staff need to be trained so that they can have better control over their positions and deliver. And, and another thing is if the doctor's listening and thinking, you know what, we have a good month and then we don't have a good month. It goes up and down and up and down. Remember, the only way to get predictable results is for your staff to have consistent actions. So the consistent actions produce predictable results. And that's what they need to remember. Only way to create predictable results is to have consistent actions. That's it. That's by the team. The team have to constantly do. And let me give, you, give the listeners just a quick example of that. And they, they'll have reality on this. What, what does the team do, or they should do, when the schedule falls apart? Well, the first thing that happens is they hustle. That's what they do. They, doctor has two hours open for tomorrow. The phone's busy. Calls are going out. Who needs, who needs work? Just imagine if those actions were done every single day. Then I believe that the schedule would be a lot more predictable instead of just hustling when it falls apart. Right. <clears throat> that makes a ton of sense. Yes. Thank you very much, Sandy, for taking the time to talk to us. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way to reach you? Well, they can call me. Uh, my office number is 1-800-928-9289, or they can visit our website, it's classicpractice.com. Classicpractice.com. 
We will include your phone number and the website address uh, in the call notes or show notes. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Sandy. And thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of the Growing Dentist podcast show. Yes, I enjoyed it. Thank you.